back, everybody. I'm so glad that you're listening to me again today. This is Evangelist Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr., and we're talking about a very important subject from the Word of God, and that is this, was Jesus poor? And we've been talking about the proof that we have from the Word of God that shows not only was Jesus not poor financially on the earth, but he was abundantly blessed according to the Word of God. We, so, we showed you in the first segment that Jesus was a godly man. He was perfect, the Bible says, before God, meaning he followed and obeyed all of the commands of God, including the fact that he would have been a tither and a giver on the earth, which would have solidified the fact that God's hand of blessing would have been on his life financially throughout his entire life on the earth. It would have been impossible for Jesus to be living under the curse of poverty while he lived on this earth. God's word cannot be broken in that realm. And so when Jesus would have been obedient to do what the word of God said through the law of Moses at the time, he would have reaped the benefits of his obedience and the curse of poverty would not have been able to touch him. Uh, We we went on to show you that the Bible says that uh, Jesus, who was rich, became poor so that through his poverty, we might become rich, which is true. And we showed you that the timing of that was that Jesus became poor on the cross of Calvary. At the same time, he became sin and became sickness. He also became poverty to destroy it with one victorious act and give us freedom through his blood. It's part of our redemption. It's part of our benefit package that comes through salvation. But today I want to focus on something a little bit different. And I want to show you that not only was Jesus blessed, but I want you to see that he came from a family that was blessed. Joseph and Mary were his parents. And I want you to see God would not have just put thrown Jesus down from heaven and just randomly placed him in any home on the earth. But in fact, Jesus was placed in a home very strategically by God. First of all, we see Mary and the Bible says that Mary was chosen to be the mother of Jesus with great care. In fact, the reason she was chosen, the Bible says, was that she has favor with God and she was blessed among women. And so Mary was chosen and handpicked by God to be the mother of Jesus Christ. We go on to to see that Joseph was handpicked by God to be the father of Jesus Christ on the earth. Now, one thing we need to realize is that God would have chosen a man, and we know that he did from the word, who was a godly man and a perfect representation of a father on the earth for Jesus. In fact, the Bible says that Joseph was a just man. That that was known. That's commonly held belief about Joseph was that not only is he a just man, a godly man, but a man of integrity as well. That was found in Matthew chapter one and verse 19. Then Joseph, Mary's husband, being a just man, he was a godly man. And if he was a godly man, then some things would have had to been said about Joseph as well. He would have also been a tither. Joseph would have also been a giver of free will offerings, sowing into the kingdom of God. Joseph, as a business owner, according to the word of God, he was a carpenter. If you look at that word in the Greek language, it connotes a little bit more than just a carpenter, but he would have also been a stonemason and had a construction business of some kind at the time. In fact, we know that he had enough money that when it came 
time for people to be taxed that he had to take his family up into the city to be taxed. He was not a poor man because poor people were not taxed in the same way as those that had resources. And so he was taken into the city to be taxed because he had money. And Joseph, being a man who tithed and a man who would have given offerings, it would have also solidified the fact that God's hand of blessing would have been on his life and on his home. So Jesus grew up in a blessed home and in a godly home. God would not have called an ungodly man to raise the son of God. So not only that, because of the fact that Joseph was a godly man, then he would have done what the Bible says godly men do. And in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22, the Bible says that a good and godly man leaves an inheritance to his children and his children's children. And so there should have been a godly man, according to the word of God, leaves an inheritance, a financial inheritance to his children and his children's children. If the Bible calls Joseph a godly man, a good man, there would have been a financial inheritance that the oldest son in the home, according to Jewish custom, would have received. Jesus, being the oldest son, would have received the double portion, according to the the law of Moses, would have received the double portion of the inheritance from Joseph, his father, who was a good and godly man who had an inheritance to leave to his children. Do you know when Jesus was very young, probably they say about two years old, we know that wise men came to find him laying in a manger and they brought gifts. Now, something needs to be understood here because the wise men that came, I know during Christmas time, we all see the nativity scenes and we see, uh, you know, the, the three wise men standing around the manger, you know, and handing down a tiny little box of frankincense, a little bit of myrrh and, you know, a little, little pouch of gold. This would not have been the case. First of all, the Bible doesn't say there were three wise men, but a caravan of wise men that were coming to find who they believed to be a king who was born that uh, day in the manger. And, and let me say this. Even Herod, who was paranoid, who was the king at the time, he was paranoid that Jesus, the king, would take over his kingdom. He wanted to know where Jesus was so that he could have him killed so that could never happen. And so the wise men believed Jesus Christ was a king. So when they came to Jesus, they would have brought gifts uh, that were fit for a king. In fact, the amplified version of uh that scripture found in Matthew chapter one uh, says that they opened their treasure bags unto him. And so a caravan of wise men traveled to find King Jesus and opened up to him their treasure bags and gave him gold and frankincense and myrrh and blessed him. And I want you to know that many people believe that even in the time when Herod was killing all of the baby boys that were two years old and younger, trying to find Jesus and kill him. This is why Jesus' family escaped into Egypt during that time. Many people believe that the wealth and the riches that were brought to Jesus by the wise men were more than enough to sustain their life in Egypt in a time where Joseph couldn't return to his business, couldn't continue working in his hometown as he had before, but they had to run and they had to hide and escape the wrath of Herod. The money and the, and the wealth brought by the wise men to Jesus when he was just a young baby was more than enough to set their family up. So whatever they had up to that time, uh, 
added to by what the wise men brought is just another proof at how the beginning of Jesus' life was formed in wealth and in resource. As Jesus continued to get older, the Bible teaches us that before his traveling ministry and before he became a rabbi at the age of 30 and and began to do what God called him to do, the Bible teaches us that he grew and became part of his father's family business as a builder uh, and someone in that construction industry. The Bible says in Mark chapter 6 that as Jesus Uh, was teaching and performing miracles. People could not believe the authority with which he was doing that. And they said to one another, is this not the carpenter Mary's son? And so before Jesus had started his heavenly father's work, he had continued on in his earthly father's work. And so we can see that people knew him and knew his family at the time. And so Jesus was not lazy. Jesus was not a sluggard, as the Bible calls it. But Jesus actually was a worker, a hard worker, which is one of the three pillars of blessing. If you're going to be blessed by God, three things have to take place. Number one, you have to live holy. Number two, you have to be a tither and a giver. And number three, you've got to be a worker, not a lazy person. Jesus fulfilled all three of those things. I want you to understand that Jesus family was blessed. Jesus didn't come from a poor home. Many people try to teach that, you know, Joseph was just some little lowly artisan. It's not the case. God would not have allowed that to be the case in the way that he lived his lifestyle. Jesus was blessed and his family was blessed. And then when Jesus entered into his earthly ministry and began to do what God called him to do as a rabbi and as a man of God, as he began to heal the sick and cast out devils, the Bible says that people came to him, business people, and connected their wealth to his ministry. And so Jesus always had more than enough to do what he was called to do in ministry. Take a look at Luke chapter 8 verses one through three, and you'll see that the Bible says soon afterward, Jesus went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the 12 disciples were with him and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, whom seven demons had gone out and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's business manager and Susanna and many others who provided for them out of their means, meaning that these business people who had been blessed by Jesus' ministry had now begun to connect their wealth and their resources with his ministry so that Jesus always had more than enough. He had an abundance of finances to do what he was called to do. I can tell you this, you can study the gospels and you will not find one place where Jesus was stuck in a town because he didn't have the finances to get to the next village or city to continue his work for the kingdom of God. You'll never find a place where Jesus was lacking in substance. You'll never find a place where he was, uh, you know, had to leave several of his disciples back on a trip because the the money just wasn't there in the budget to take all 12 disciples with him. So, you know, he, he never showed up and said, well, listen, guys, we're, we're only going to take four of you on this next trip and the rest of you need to stay back because we just don't have the money in the budget. No, the Bible says that he had more than enough money for not only himself, but 12 full grown men 
men. He paid for their meals. He paid for their travel. He paid for their lodging. And they continued on doing the work God called them to do. In fact, one of those men was Jesus' treasurer. He employed somebody that took care of the ministry money, the ministry finances. And this is the part that's kind of crazy, but the Bible says Judas, who was his treasurer, regularly stole from the treasury. So Judas was taking money out of Jesus' ministry account. But get this, this is even more important. Even though Judas was regularly stealing from Jesus' treasury, the Bible doesn't ever say that they lacked anything. So apparently, Jesus not only had enough to pay all of his bills, to take all of those men on the tr- on the trips that he went on, pay for their food, pay for their transportation, pay for their lodging, uh, and everything that they were doing, but there was plenty left over for Judas to regularly steal for himself. So we can see that Jesus was not just blessed, he was abundantly blessed. Jesus just didn't have enough to do what he was called to do. He had more than enough to do what he was called to do because the hand of God was on his life and on his ministry. The hand of God that came from Jesus doing what God called him to do and being obedient to the call of God on his life. Jesus had the blessings of heaven in his life and in his ministry. Jesus was not poor. Jesus had wealth and riches and the Bible proves it. And I want you to understand it's important because God requires us to accomplish our call and accomplish our purpose. And it's not free. It takes wealth and resources to accomplish the call of God on your life. Don't let the devil lie to you and make you feel like, well, you know, Jesus didn't have anything. The disciples didn't have anything. The early church didn't have anything. And you know, it's, it's better when you don't, because it makes you fully rely on God for everything you get. You know, you can fully rely on God and have more than enough. You don't have to stay in a state of poverty to continue relying on God. You just have to make sure that God is always your source and that he's always the the center of your love and not money. You don't love money. You don't worship money, but you should have money. I got to say that again because some people get that all wrong and they quote the word of God wrong and say, you know, the Bible says that money is the root of all evil. The Bible does not say money is the root of all evil. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. So you love, you should have money, but you should not worship money and you should not uh, covet money. Just because you're not coveting it and just because you're not loving it and just because you're not making it your main goal doesn't mean you shouldn't have it. No Christian should ever take a vow of poverty. No Christian should ever stand in a place and say, well, brother, I, I have everything I need and that's all I need. It's not all you need because if all you have is just what you need, then you can never have enough to help somebody else. And God didn't call us to just meet, meet, meet our own needs. God called us to meet the needs of others and to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. And as long as we have the mentality that says, I just need enough to meet my needs and pay my bills, we will always fall short of accomplishing God's purpose for our life. Jesus wasn't poor. He wasn't a pauper. He didn't walk around in torn up uh, robes and look pitiful. He was a man to be envied. He was a man to be respected. He was blessed and he had the power of God's supernatural abundance operating in his life 
and in his ministry. And I believe you will too. You're blessed. It's time to activate the covenant of God in your life like never before and to activate God's supernatural financial blessing before Jesus comes back. I'll be back again to talk to you about some final points on this subject, but I wanted to stir your faith and let you know God has supernatural blessings set aside for you if you'll take them. I'll talk to you soon.